Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. We've got another very important topic today. Um, We had Dr. Jake Jacobs on uh, Monday, and man, we were talking about corruption and Marxism in American education and couldn't possibly cover everything that's going on in the school system. So today, we're going to be talking about how concerned, active, and yes, some Christian parents are being labeled bullies or terrorists. So, uh, Father, give us wisdom on how to approach this today and help us to speak the truth boldly and lead us by your Spirit. And we pray that you would encourage but challenge people that need to be aware of what's happening and understand the times and know how to respond to what's happening. Uh, Give us wisdom, Lord, and uh, may you be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. Our guest today, Jason Jimenez, founder of Stand Strong Ministries. He's back with us. Uh, He's also a faculty member at Summit Ministries. He's a pastor, apologist, and national speaker, and he's authored several books. His latest, we had him on the podcast in the summer, talking about Challenging Conversations, a practical guide to discuss controversial topics in the church. And we welcome him back to Stand Up for the Truth. Jason, good morning, brother. Good morning, Dave. Great to be with you, my friend. Thanks for taking the time and for your ministry and your voice. Um, I know one of the books you co-authored with Alex McFarland, we had him on just a few days ago as well. So (laughs) We run in the same circles, a bunch of troublemakers for the kingdom. That's right. So, uh, Jason, first, um, give us an update on your ministry. Uh, And before that, before we dive into the topic today, um, you had COVID. How did that go? How are you feeling? How's your health and your family? Well, I appreciate, David, asking your prayers, too, as many people, you know, it was just a touching thing for my wife and family that many people around the world were sending their um, condolences, you know, just just knowing, hey, you're sick, I know you're feeling bad, we're there for you, Come, you know, my friend, you'll get at it, you know, get through this, and uh, and I think it was through the power of prayer and mm-hmm. ivermectin, you know, and some steroids, but I had prolonged getting treated because I thought I was going to get over it on my own, but mm-hmm. that was a, almost a fatal mistake, and wow. so... Yeah, it was. It took me um, a good month and a half to to fully recover and get my strength back. Um, but uh, so, thank you for asking. But I'm doing great now. You know, back at it. You know, um, was a month there where we had to cancel speaking. You know, I was writing a new book with focus on the family. I had it delayed, turning in the manuscript, and you know. But hey, God's in control, and it was a good time to rest and pray and seek the Lord. And you know, coming out of that sickness, you know, you're more empathetic. Uh, more sensitive. My kids saw a side of me that they've never seen before. They had mm. to do a lot for me because I had no energy. And so it was a humbling experience. And it was also time coming out of it where God really spoke to me. And even as you jokingly said earlier, but we do need to, David, you know, co-labor in Christ together. We mm-hmm. need to work harder for the glory of God, for his kingdom, not for our egos or logos, but for his namesake. And and I prayed that I will continue to do that until either he returns for his church or I die. Mm, praise God. Well, we are all trying to do that one day at a time, the work that he has called us and equipped us to do, and trusting in him. Because all we, we don't have tomorrow, we just have today. And um, my, I love, I, I got COVID, it took me two months to deal, mm. I was in urgent care yep. three times, battling different yep. symptoms and yep. uh, lung issues that uh, were a challenge. But uh, I'm out of it now, and praise God. But boy, I was praying, teach us to number our days that we may gain hearts of wisdom and That's right. uh, yes, yeah, so we are here for such a time as this. I, before we continue, I just want to remind everybody, I forgot to mention recently, um, I'm going to be in the Denver, uh, Colorado Springs area at Plum Creek Chapel, November 14. That's in like a week from this weekend. So I'll be there at J.B. Hickson's church. Um, so I look forward to seeing you guys that are in that area. Um, Jason, I've been very, it's been an eye-opening time in America Uh, looking at the education system, and we've known those of us, you and myself and others who have written about it, spoken about it, tried to warn Christian parents 
about the humanism, the secularism, the atheism, the anything goes except for biblical Christianity and that worldview within the, quote, education system in America. And it seems like, see if you, you hear this response from, from parents, Jason. More often than not, I hear, well, yes, that, whatever it's the LGBTQ, critical race theory, whether it's, you know, transgender policies, whatever it might be, uh, even, you know, training kids to hate America in some ways. Oh, that's happening maybe in the major cities, but it's not in my son or daughter's school. It's not in their curriculum, but it's the same NEA, National Education Association. Jason, do you hear that response as well? Yeah, I mean, you're right, David. I mean, I, I think, you know, when something like this is happening, like critical race theory being taught in schools more and more, even though many people that are progressive or on the left, if you will, will cite um, actually no stats, but they'll just make an, an assertive claim, if you will, authoritatively to say that there is no critical race theory that's being taught in high school, elementary, middle school, uh, only on the graduate level. That's nonsense. It's actually not true. And so even as we have been fighting this, and I do think that we are gaining steam. I mean, you may think that you're up against a big machine and it's impossible to shed light into the darkness. Um, we are seeing that people are becoming enlightened and they're seeing what is actually taking place because you're right. For quite some time, again, evolution is going to be taught, taught in a secular institution. Yep. Okay, so that should be no shock or surprise to people. So what I've done through the years, even as a student pastor, a family pastor, college pastor, you know, when I was doing ministry in the local church for almost 16 years, and now as I work with a lot of churches around the country, you know, I equip parents to understand what their kids are being taught, you know, a particular worldview, and how to combat it respectfully, critically, and objectively. And so you get, you know, you get people who are on board with that, obviously, but for the most part, what you just said earlier, people have become, they turned a blind eye. Um, they're, they're not as engaged. Um, and so when more things about you know, silence campaigns, you know, putting tape over your mouth and not saying a word, standing for people who are, they can't be who they self-identify, whether it be in the LGBT community, you know, they'll not say anything, you know, because they don't want to be labeled something or we got to love, you know, that sort of thing. And so it's not as big of a deal. But now when you get into this, the, the topics of, you know, white, black, you know, Asian, whatever, uh, and you're now called a racist if you don't support a certain class of people, uh, or you're to, to, to basically, you know, uh, apologize for the color of your skin or because of the color of skin that you're already deemed a racist. Uh, that has stirred up the pot. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and again, what I tell people, uh, David, is this is no surprise. Again, these are secular institutions. Now, I'm, I'm not we're not talking yet about Christian schools because I have actually a lot of uh, <laughs> parents and teachers who are coming to me now and Christian schools yes. who are becoming woke. Yep. Okay, so, but we'll set that aside. We're talking about the mass, the vast majority of kids, right, high school, middle school, elementary, who are being taught in America are in a public school. Yep. And, and this has been happening, this has been brewing for quite some time, but now when you're having governors like Virginia, like obviously McAuliffe who lost, thank God, when he says, you know, back like a year before the election, he's telling uh, the public in Virginia, the Virginians, he, flat out, he says, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should be teaching their kids. And, you know, when you're having blatant politicians saying that and saying it's the government's right to teach their kids whatever they want to, that's when parents need to turn around and say, nope, that's unconstitutional. Yep. And not only that, but for Christians, that's unbiblical, and we're not going to tolerate that. And so, yeah, we're now seeing people awaken to what is happening and what is being taught to their kids. I want to share a quote with you, Jason Jimenez, and get your response to Senator Tom Cotton, who said, If you shut down schools, force kids to wear masks, indoctrinate them to hate America, call their parents domestic terrorists, and lecture them about pronouns, don't be surprised when the voters reject your party. Agree? I, I do agree, and I know the quote and the context of what he's saying, but I would take it a step further. I said, don't be surprised when your kid is no longer showing up to school anymore. Mm, and I think that's, wow. that's the actions that more parents need to be doing. Now, I will tell you, and I, will, and I am not saying this to judge any parents. I have many people who are on my board. I have uh, many colleagues, people that I serve alongside with uh, that are dear, dear friends that have kids in public school. Mm. Um, but I'm saying for my convictions of my wife and me, we have four children. Our oldest is in college now. We've homeschooled. That is a decision that we made as a family. And let me tell you one of the reasons why. 
because I wanted to raise my kids with a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. I think you cut out, Jason. Um, we'll try to reconnect with you unless you can hear me. And maybe there's just hear me now. Oh, there we go. Yes. I don't know what yeah. happened. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah. I thank well, you. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, that's a choice we've made. And because we wanted to be a part of our kids education system, because in, 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 as I studied it, and I wrote a book called The Raging War of Ideas it was the first book I wrote. And I dealt with education and the indoctrination has taken place. And so I saw it for what it is. I'm like, I don't want to be sending my kids to that. And again, that was even before a lot of this LGBT stuff and CRT stuff is happening now, you know, almost 20 years removed since my first son went to school. So when you see what's happening, don't be surprised when parents are pulling their kids out saying, I'm looking for a choice for charter school, a private school, or homeschool. Mm -hmm. And parents need to do that. Just one example here locally. This is about, now we're in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area, for those of you listening Mm -hmm. online from across the country. Um, There's a school system in Oshkosh, which is about a half hour from here, roughly, And there's an article that just came out. um, Let's see. It says Oshkosh schools won't inform parents if children change gender identity. Now, (laughs) this is a small school district, and it's not in a big city. It's it's uh, one of those examples where you could say, yep, it's coming. It's it's here. It's not just in the big cities. It's just not in New York and California. And I want to direct you guys, before I forget, to Jason's excellent video uh, called uh, Our Our Concerned Parents, Domestic Terrorists. And it's about parents knowing their rights to protect their kids. And Jason, I do want you to share some points from that. So before, I also have a union magazine from the Michigan Education Association, and it is all political. It is unbelievable, actually. And I'm going to read some quotes from this Teachers Union Strong magazine in a minute. But share some of your thoughts as you got into this video. And we're going to go back and forth and go talk about the content of what you shared, trying to equip parents to know their rights. Yeah, so one of the things that parents have to look at, again, outside of the actual curricula of subject matters like, you know, history, science, math, etc., parents should be involved in what you know, their kids are being taught and how they're being taught educationally, right? But now when we're mm-hmm. talking about the era that we're living in, education now is the wokeness, you know, that's implemented within the subject matter. just like when evolution is being taught in every subject matter, right, and, yeah. and naturalism. You know, a lot of Christian parents were clueless, oblivious, didn't think it was a big deal. Oh, we don't believe that, and kind of circular reasoning. The Bible, you know, teaches against that, but they haven't really armed and and, and, and taught their children to combat against that and why that is, you know, not just biblically, but also scientifically. Well, nowadays, parents need to be aware of the woke policies that are being indoctrinated within, you know, or being implemented within the uh, curricula. Critical race theory, as we mentioned already, and, 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 and what's happened, David, as you know, as you and many of your listeners are well aware, the mask mandates or the vaccinations have also contributed to that. Yes. And so now when, when school systems have more control, saying, no, parents, you can't, you know, we will only accept your kid if they ha- are vaccinated or if they're wearing masks. And now it's saying we will only accept your child or we will actually uh, belittle, if you will, like publicly shame your child if they're not, quote, anti-racist enough. Um, you know, or deny themselves the rights or privileges because of their skin color. Like they have to do that. And if they don't, then they're not accepted in the school system or they'll be reprimanded or they'll be sent home from school because of violation or they're wearing something that runs contrary to those those ideological positions. So parents need to be concerned because now when when they um, are speaking against the school system, whether it be uh, the principal, a teacher or in this case, the school boards, they're now being viewed as a terrorist. And, the, and what we have to combat against is, again, respectfully, without violence. You and I do not promote that. I do not condone any violent acts. Um, but the vast majority of these parents who are concerned are coming out. Um, they're viewed now as a domestic terrorist because what the government is saying on the, on the local level and the state level and even with the federal level, because we have now our Attorney General Garland, who's weaponized the DOJ and has given author, authorization for the FBI to start investigating parents who attend these school council meetings and are literally following them home and knocking on their door and sitting with them in their living room and, and, and questioning their tactics or why they're challenging the school board or, you know, that sort of thing. So now you're using FBI agents to do things that are, are, are unlawful. 
And this is why parents need to be aware of these kind of things mm. and see the pattern here. And if they don't, uh, then the, the, the little people, the, the, the small majority right now that are standing up, they will be silenced. But when we continue to stand with that remnant and we ourselves, like even me, just because my kids don't go to public school doesn't mean I don't have a voice. I'm a taxpayer. I pay uh, in my school district, right. you know, teachers' uh, salary. Mm-hmm. So I have a voice. And not only that, but I also represent a large population of people, even in my own community, uh, that look to us to, to be equipped. And so we need to be speaking to these things. And so parents who are concerned, just because they're not being labeled as a domestic terrorist, and that's their tactic, David, to try to silence them. Yes. And don't let these bully tactics or these fear mongers win you over or silence you because you're afraid that these repercussions, supposedly these threats, they'll, they'll follow through with it, even if they do. Hey, I would rather be arrested standing for the rights of my children as, as with my parental rights than say nothing and let my kids continue to be indoctrinated. And that's what we're trying to awaken Christians to understand. Yes. And we better be aware of this battle, friends. I think it's far too uh, late in the game for people now waking up, but at least some are waking up now. And maybe that election in Virginia had, uh, you know, you, you see a little bit of that, although you, I, we're not putting a lot of faith in elections because that was close. What does that mean? That means, well, so, enough people woke up to turn blue Virginia red as far as the governor's seat. But we know that we are a divided nation. We are a divided electorate. And sadly, even the people in the church are divided over some of these issues. Uh, but uh, the National School Board Association asked the Biden administration to help them because mm-hmm. they, were, they, they said they felt threatened by the, quote, acts of violence of parents at these school board meetings. Now, we're not saying some of the, all of the actions of all the parents are justified because some were very rude, some used foul language, and you shouldn't do that. As you said, I agree completely. When you go to these school board meetings, be respectful, but boldly and truthfully make your mm-hmm. points. Make your points and your whatever your concerns are about policy and what's happening in the schools and protecting your children, but you don't have to do it in a violent way or in a way where you're using profanity and, and other things. But they're, like you said earlier, they are equating parents. This is how they're kind of framing things now. Parents or concerned parents who speak up, especially those Christians, they are now the troublemakers. They're domestic terrorists. Uh, let me share a couple thoughts. We only have three minutes left in this segment. But just a couple things from this magazine, and we'll have to pick this up on the other side of the break. I've got the MEA, the Michigan Education Association uh, magazine, Union Strong on the front cover. Well, some of the things they say and is what we've been talking about. Just so you know that Jason and I are not making this up or exaggerating. They say, uh, this is what it feels like. Uh, the angry mob with pitchforks is storming the village after the ogre. And public education has become the ogre. That's from the Union Magazine. Here's another quote from another page. The protesters were riled over the district's school masking mandate and about the supposed teaching of critical race theory. So they've been lying continually about whether there is any teaching of critical race theory in any form. Um, Another one. It, It was intended to deny us an opportunity for respectful and constructive dialogue. In other words, these parents that showed up, they're just you know, problems to be dealt with. Um, A couple more. Jason, I'll get your response real quick. Um, They say they want to stand in solidarity for what it's right. It's training and developing new leaders who build the next generation of activists. That's what they're doing in the public schools. They're admitting it in this union magazine. They're training the next generation of leaders to be activists. They're openly saying this. Why aren't we aware of this battle, Jason? Well, you know, like you said, and I think Virginia actually is a huge deal just because historically what it's meant, many of our founders came from Virginia. It was blue for many years. I'm not just saying because a Republican, they're right, because I don't always agree with the Republican Party. But you have conservative values. You have a Judeo-Christian ethic that has been bred through Virginia uh, since the founding of our nation. And it's been or excuse me, been red. And but now turning blue, but now that it's going back to red in terms of a governor, I think that's huge significance because people are waking up to this. They are seeing that I'm being labeled a domestic terrorist. I am being uh, labeled as a racist or my child is because of their skin color. They're offending our heritage. They're assuming we're something that we're not. And they should be uproared. 
you don't have somebody just barge into your house, Dave, and start telling you, mm-hmm. you know, how to, you know, rearranging your, 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 your furniture or taking what they feel they have a right to. And then not only that, but indoctrinate your kids while they're here. Yes. You know, so they raid your fridge, change your, your, your furniture around, take your clothes, indoctrinate your kids, you know, and, and have at it however they want to. And you can't say a thing. Absolutely not. That is not the American way. And that's why people should be upward. And they are. And Virginia is a huge sign that that as it not okay we cut out again but that is kind of perfect timing because we do need to take a break and honor our affiliates thank you guys for picking up the podcast stand up for the truth in uh, your region uh we'll be right back with jason Jimenez more as we talk about these issues of public education and the antichrist worldview involved plus i've got a letter from a listener we're going to talk about when we come back in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth, keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Jason Jimenez. You can find more information on him at his website, StandStrongMinistries.org. Jason, we've got a letter from a listener that just came in um, last night. And uh, before I share that, we were talking off the air about what might happen across the country in other school districts, at other school board meetings, in other maybe elections. I've always tend to think, well, just because, uh, for example, Biden's approval rating is tanking and low doesn't mean that Democrats are going to vote Republican in the next election. They're going to still vote Democrat. So we are going to still have to deal with these radical policies and this anti-Christian worldview. And so don't uh, don't get too overconfident, friends. But here's the, this letter I received, Jason, and I'll get your thoughts. I thank Jesus, the only Son of God, for stepping in to jerk us awake. The month of November is feeling a little like the first good news for this republic in a very long time. We can't fall back asleep. Now, she assumes or they, that we've all been awakened across the country, which I don't agree with. But she said, let God guide in Virginia. It proves that all of the prayers in Jesus' name for the good of the kingdom of heaven will be answered. God is so good, we have to stay awake. Just politics won't work. I hope a few remnant Bible-believing soldiers of Christ can spread the true word. Agreed. <laughs> I agree. I need help finding my purpose. Stand Up For The Truth has been instrumental in allowing me to wake up and stop waiting for the good guys to come and save us. We in Christ are the good guys. So she's alluding to politics, meaning our elections. That'll save us voting for the right people. Well, that hasn't, right? And she finally says, uh, help me to find patriotic warrior Christians. We need guidance. So we hadn't had a church in years. If there are any pastors, church groups, solid in the Birmingham area in Alabama, you know that you know of, please text your email. Thank you. You are going to get a big crown in heaven. God, stay with you, keep you healthy and uh, full of Christian love and humility. And that's from Lauren and Chris. God bless you guys. Thank you. Jason, there's a lot in there, but just what comes to the top of your head? What comes to mind? Well, again, I was telling you earlier, I mean, in Romans 12, 12, we are to rejoice in hope. I mean, that is a command. Um, and so that it, that that's what you see in that in that uh, letter that was sent to you guys, and I appreciate you sharing that. And again, it is indication we are not just to look at elections because, like you said, elections don't solve all the problems. You know, it starts in the home, mm-hmm. in our family, the primary institution, and with that, coinciding with that, in conjunction with that, is the church. The church's job is as we glorify God and we come together to stir up love and good works. We also, as the day approaches. Hebrew says, but we're also, as we stir up love and good works, we hold each other accountable and the, and the church is to equip the saints. So what I look at more than anything is the pulse of the church, how the church is engaging in the culture and sharing the gospel of Christ. I'm not just saying explicitly where you're going door-to-door evangelism, but also living it out in a charitable way, uh, in a philosophical way, in government, in politics, you, you name it. And we are seeing that, right, David? Mm-hmm. But I, what, yes. what, what I would say in response as well is I, I don't and – I, and I know this is a choice of words, but I don't go around using the rhetoric that we're the good guys. You know, <laughs> yes. we, you know, we, you know we are sinners saved by grace, mm-hmm. right? And so you know, we come in humility to let people know that because the moment you use terminology like that, people are already feeling like we're enemies, right? We oppose one another. My job, your job, I want to win people over. 
Hmm. It's not my job to save them, yep. but in order to do that, as I talk about in my book, Challenging Conversations, is to build rapport with them, and you do that by hmm. listening to them as to why they came to where they where they came from. So as I do that, what I actually look at is the the where the state of the church is at, and the state of the church will be determined where the state of the home is at with marriages and what parents are doing with their children, Okay. So yeah, it's not. I, I think you're right. This is not just a lit of fuse where you're just you're fuming over what politicians are saying, and you know, parent, parental rights is unattainable in the school system and things like that. Like, stop listening to the rhetoric that's there on the left. And if you see some momentum, great. And the last thing I would also say, David, because when I consult with a lot of church organizations, one of the things that I I bring up uh, because the Bible points on it a lot, and that's criticism. We tend to be very negative. It's like never perfect enough. It's like Christians have 10 things that we need to do, and if we do nine of them and then it's not, we're not going to support it because <laughs> it, it, it didn't hit all 10 of them. Right. It's like never enough sometimes. Mm. And so, yes, when you see some good, you see some accomplishment, let's rejoice in hope, right? Let's be patient in tribulation. Let's be constant in prayer, and let's support one another. Yes. You know, and that's the key in all of this. And that's what I'm hoping that Christians will take from this so that, yeah, it just doesn't level out, if you will, after an election cycle. Because, yes, that's the kind of the rhythmic behavior mm-hmm. we oftentimes have is, you know, oh, we, you know, we get like the 2010. Like what happened with that? You know, where the where's the where's the Tea Party now? Yes. If you will. Yeah, I don't uh, get you know it. What I mean, so, yeah. So, yeah, these movements, they're not revivals. Mm-hmm. OK, and and, and we can't measure them that way. Hmm. And I encourage people, if, if you want to take some time to look into actual biblical historical revivals look at how they happened and why they happened and what they did and Mm -hmm. and then compare that to where we as americans are at right now but i will say having said all that i do think that this is sparking a revolution of parental rights yes and that's a good thing that is a good thing and and just just to get off topic just for a second or a minute here i want to piggyback on something you shared about revival, um, obviously it's got to begin with the church, and it's got to begin with repentance, and really it's the Christians who have allowed us to get to the point that we're at right now, really understanding the times and how to respond. Well, we evaluate how we got here and what happened, the decline of immorality that we gave over the public school system to a hostile worldview or worldviews. And here we are today, and parents are kind of being pushed aside. It's really amazing if you go back a couple hundred years to our founding. But anyway, uh, Jason, what do you see that it's more than that? In other words, the repentance in the church and, and pockets of revival to get going? Because you would think that after COVID and the divisive year we had last year and what's happening now, you would think there would be more uh, repentance in the church and more revival, at least signs of it? Well, yeah, just speaking uh, in America, because since COVID, I haven't traveled internationally, but I have a lot of friends who I get information uh, on the ground of what's taking place. Revivals have been breaking out in China for the last 30-some-odd years. You don't get a lot of that. Russia is seeing a huge revival of the underground church. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing, you know, South Africa has seen an explosion of many Muslims coming to, to faith. We're seeing that in the Middle East. But America, are, we, we have come into a place of apathy. And a good friend of mine, we were just speaking at Summit, David, teaching on critical race theory to a bunch of parents and educators and pastors. Mm. And one of my friends who was one of the speakers, or Lucas Miles, he said something interesting. He says, what happens is there's like three phases here. And one is what we see is people get very concerned about the state of where somebody's at. And so they try to reach them out of concern. Well, the person doesn't respond the way they want them to respond, whether they're trying to share Christ with them or trying to enlighten them on critical race theory, whatever the case may be. But they don't respond the way the person's hoping to respond. Now, we're just <clears> speaking primarily of Christians, right? And then what happens to us? We get frustrated. So then we start responding in anger, and, and, and then we start lashing out, mm. maybe some name-calling. Maybe we raise our voice. Yeah. Well, then if nothing happens after that emotionally, right, we're so charged. We become apathetic where, you know what, the heck with that person. I don't care about that person anymore, and we, and we get rid of them. I'm not saying that's always bad, meaning saying remove some toxicity. But notice you go from concern to anger to apathy. When we were at this breaking point where most Christians, let's be honest, are ignorant of the Bible. Yes. Okay? 
and they don't respond and they become apathetic. And we, again, we're glued to our screens and we're taking government money. And a lot of us are just watching church online and we don't even give or serve anymore. And it's just kind of become very complacent and comfortable. Um, I believe there will become a breaking point where you're looking around and, and a revival is already breaking out among young people. The young people who abandoned the faith almost 20 years ago, the millennials, are now seeing that they're empty and a revival is breaking out. I do pray – I don't know if this will be the case, David, but I am praying, again, rejoicing in hope yes. that I am seeing signs that in this apathy, people are saying that, that are lethargic, right, <clears throat> that they're saying this is not – living. This is not the way I want to live my life. God help me. I need answers. And some that some people are Googling it, but I do think some people are in that confessatorial way where they're now saying, I need God to restore me and I need to live out my faith. And that's our job, David. Your show, what I do in my writing and speaking, we need to come together as bodies the, the body of Christ as believers, children of God, and we need to as people are becoming awakened and we're seeing signs of revival, we need to repent of our sins. And we need to stop dividing over petty things. And the Bible is very, very um, poignant about criticizing one another, dividing over things, things that are, that are contrary to the truth, and we cannot fall for that. So you know what? What mm-hmm. I'm saying, David, is, yeah, there's a tax coming from the left or whatever, fill in the blank, totalitarianism, big government. Yeah. That is not your primary enemy. Your primary enemy is Satan himself in the flesh. And we have to awaken ourselves, I think, more importantly, to a spiritual battle. And when we don't recognize a spiritual battle, we will not enter into a spiritual awakening. Amen, brother. Uh, Jason, um, I just want to go back to this Union magazine again, and I, I, because a lot of people aren't aware this is going on, and I don't, don't want to be redundant, but this is the new edition of the Teachers Union magazine, Union Strong voice. Um, it says, <laughs> it's just amazing. If you go through here, it's all politics. And in the last couple of pages, they have election information. So wait a minute, our tax dollars go to this. Why would they just be supporting one party? Well, they've gotten away with it for about mm, 40 years or more. Uh, it says in this recent months have seen a rash of hostile behavior and rhetoric at school board meetings statewide and across the country with small, small, but vocal groups using threats and, and intimidation to fight efforts to keep students safe and learning in the best ways educators know. And educators in school communities are working together to raise voices against the bullying behavior. And then it goes on to say, meanwhile, uh, the bill they're working on, at least in this state, was part of a nationwide disinformation campaign about what is and isn't taught in public schools. There's more backlash against so-called critical race theory curriculum, which does not exist in K-12 through schools. Now, stop right there. This is a new edition of the Teachers Union magazine, and they're lying. They're saying this does not exist. So, Jason, they, they continue to get away with this, or at least maybe the, the, the teachers and educators and the Democrats and the politicians maybe really think that it doesn't exist. But I think parents know better. Parents that are hearing their kids come home talking about racism, and it's just so unfortunate because the the talking heads, the media, and the loudest voices are really trying to say, "No, you you guys are you you guys aren't seeing this right. You guys don't know what's happening." Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and there's so much there, David. Right? I mean, we don't <laughs> even have time to dive into a lot of things. But let me just say this because. Rather than responding to a lot of the rhetoric on the left, again, just like when they don't have a response, they just call somebody a racist, right? So they just disqualify you immediately. They don't respond to any of the proof or evidence that you give. You can substantiate your, you know, where you're coming from and say, okay, look, fact check it all you want. No, you're a racist, right? So they just, they just eliminated you having any presence or position within your rights as an American citizen. So let me just say this in response to all the stuff that your listening audience is going to be receiving, whether it be on social media or, or, reading stuff in their school district. Again, and I say this because I'm just doing research right now. In this past July, Ibram Kendi, who wrote How to Be an Anti-Racist, he was invited into the Charlotte-Mecklenburg um, school uh, officiating 
training prior to the school year. They paid him tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to teach our our teachers critical race theory yes. and how to be an anti-racist and how to incorporate that in your curricula. Well, the, the, there was such an uproar where that the superintendent in the Mecklenburg School District would not even release the video to show parents what he was actually teaching the teachers who will be teaching their kids. Now, when that happens, and it will continue to happen, all right, your listening audience needs to be aware of the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. Okay, the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. This is also listed on the U.S. Department of Education. Mm -hmm. And it reminds the taxpayers, American citizens, parents who have their kids in a public school, public school system, the laws and the rights and respect to their position as the parent, as the guardian that they have over the school system. Okay. And people need to be standing on this. They need to be acquainted with it. They need to be educated on it. And in times and in some situations, they need to get a lawyer to represent them. If they go to a city council and they're arrested because they went over their two minute time. And then of course the public, like you said, the, le- the left, the drive-by media, remember as Limbaugh used to refer to it yes, as, yes. will say, you're a domestic terrorist, the violence, the, 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 the name-calling, the shame, you know, that kind of thing. Um, don't fall for that. If, they, if you need representation, get representation. People need to understand that they have equal access to the law. And the job in the Supreme Court, David, has cited numerous times, there's six cases against, in, in the Supreme Court where every time parental rights won mm-hmm. when it comes to education. And the Supreme Court has ruled time and time again, in one case going back into the 1980s, that the school system, in essence, right, does not have a right to usurp the power and the authority of a parent as the guardian of the child. And when that occurs, it's against federal law. Mm. So what is happening right now is we are seeing um, a force that is trying to bully parents. Yes. And they know they don't have any rights and they have no authority. So what do they do? They cry wolf. They say things like, well, we got to get, you know, like you said, the, 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 North, the, the National um, Teachers Association, they got to turn to the Biden administration. They got to get some federal support here because if they know this continues, they will lose because they have no ground or support to indoctrinate kids without the approval of parents. Now, by the way, last thing said before you go to commercial, whatever, is people, parents need to understand something. We're not saying, because this is what the left will, this is how they interpret it. We're not saying that we step into the classroom and start telling you how to teach science. That's not what we're saying. That's right. What we're saying is, as you're supposed to be teaching them science, you don't, you're not to be indoctrinating my kid that they're a racist. That's what we're saying. Thank you, Jason. And by the way, when... (laughs) Science, they keep using that word. I do not think it means what they think it means because uh, they're teaching all kinds of stuff like uh, the uh, existential threat of climate change under, quote, science. Anyway, um, but I digress. More with Jason when we come back. Make sure to check out his video. Parents, know your rights to protect your kids. We've got a lot more to talk about when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Jason Jimenez. And uh, Jason, um, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but uh, you said you spoke with Lucas Miles. We once had him scheduled for a podcast. He had to cancel. He had scheduling issues. And I'd love to talk about the Christian left. He's got a book out that I wanted to get him on the podcast. So put a bug in his ear for us here at Stand Up For The Truth if you would. Um, oh, I'll tell him that. I'll, I'll play his life and he'll come on. Please. <laughs> please. Uh, well, we were in touch with someone, I don't know, an agent or representative or secretary or whatever. And it's so hard sometimes when you have to go through a third party. We could never really lock something down. But um, we had Ken Ham on last week, Answers in Genesis, and we were talking about the homeschooling movement, which is now under attack even more. Why? Because since COVID— more parents are starting to uh, educate their children at home. They're not really for Christian reasons, just because of what the public schools were doing and they wanted to get their kids some sort of education or give them something to do during the day. So last year, more uh, students and more families were homeschooling. But Ken Ham shared the fact that um, he is still, that doesn't change the concern about the worldview war, the issues, 
in government-run education, and he calls it an antichrist system. And we have tried to make that clear. We tried to continue to, to warn parents that they are, they are not going to hear anything practically that supports the biblical worldview on God as, as he exists, God as creator, designer, uh, the way male and female, gender, the truth about uh, creation. So there, that's just a foundational issue. When you talk about, you mentioned earlier, evolution being taught. So you talked a little bit about that in your video or recent video as well. What Share your thoughts on this and how parents can make this difficult decision because a lot of them are still sending their kids out to the public schools. Okay, I think we we had Jason cut out again. I will let him answer that question in a minute, but I'm going to share a little bit of what we uh, talked about with Ken Ham, and then I'll let Jason, once we get Jason back on um, with, with the audio, just let me know when we have the audio of Jason. Uh, Ken Ham teaches, actually he said that the Bible teaches clearly, now think about your children, think about what, what these two worldviews represent. He said, one is a person is either for Christ or against Christ. The Bible says you either gather or one scatters. Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me. One either walks in light or in darkness. One is either on the broad way or the narrow way. Enter by the narrow gate, Jesus said, for the gate is wide that leads to destruction. He said, one either builds the house on the rock or on the sand. And then it goes on. One who is not for God is hostile toward God. Jason, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, you cut out, and so I'll give you an opportunity to respond now. Well, I'll just let your note, your audience know that we're definitely in a, I'm on a big uh, uh, rainstorm right now, so I think our, our, our service out here is not as good as normal, But so I apologize for that. Well, I just I, I agree with you know my dear brother Ken. You know, obviously that to make parents aware of this, but again, I, I also come from the angle as a worldview guy that you shouldn't be surprised yes. what your kids are going to be taught. It's, it's not an indictment against the public school for being anti-Christ, you know, because, because what that frame, the frame of mind with that, David, and this is what I have to be careful. And I think all of us have to be careful. I don't want to be labeling everybody that's teaching in a public school as anti-Christ, anti-Christian. Right. That's just not clearly the case. And right. I think sometimes language can be viewed that way. Okay. And, it, and, and so I want to be careful that I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with what Ken is attempting to say, but sometimes making some of these labels can be controversial. Mm. So I don't want to link myself to that because I don't refer to the public system as anti-Christ. Okay. Um, they're teaching naturalism, um, you know, and, and yes, in time, as we're seeing, there's there, and we're like, we're talking about right now in time when the world embraces certain ideological positions, and they, again, in essence, are saying, I'm the arbiter of myself, right? I determine what truth is. And you indoctrinate kids that way. Mm-hmm. We know in history what happened, right? Right. It's not going to turn out good. Mm. And I think that's where we have to be having these conversations, um, because what inevitably is going to be happening is that children, when they're being taught that time and time again, your generation, my generation, generation before us, we've been seeing this for quite some time. And again, as Americans, when you go back to the times of like even James Monroe was talking about education being an institution which endeavors to rear American youth in pure love and truth in their duty, there was a responsibility with education to, again, to not just inspire, but also to teach kids who then become the leaders of tomorrow. But their point of view was to soften the local prejudices by inoculating the Christian faith with charity. Okay, Um, that is no longer the case. Okay, Mm. so we know that we know we've drifted from that from the times of when Daniel Webster, you know, talked about the purest principles of morality are to be taught in school. We know that's not happening. So, yes, that's where I that's where I speak up, like we're talking about right now and making parents aware of that and saying you have a choice. If you feel that you are equipping your kids or they are equipped and are strong enough to go to a public school day in and day out with already the pressures of sex, smoking weed, whatever the case may be. Remember, I was a student pastor for many years. I heard it all. I counseled kids who were having sex on school campuses. Wow. I've talked to parents and kids who had locations where they would do groupy things, okay? David, I mean, mind-boggling things. <laughs> um 
what they're being taught in school. I've even gone into public schools, and I've shared the point of view of a Christian against an atheist uh, teacher in science or whatever. I've done all that. Um, you know, and so as you do, as you do counter some of that kind of stuff, you got to ask yourself, what is God calling my family and my kids to do? Now, my kids, you know, do we, like Franklin Graham has said in the past, I may not agree with him entirely, but he's like, you know, you got to be salt and light. So you got to go into public schools, pulling your kids out of public schools isn't the right thing to do. They need to be evangelism. You know, yeah. they need to be evangelists. I and think, I'm like, I think he's reversed that now in recent, yeah, in recent years. Exactly. Yeah. He, yeah, he has reversed that. But what I'm saying is, like, when you have that traditional point of view, and so then, then you're requiring all Christians to be evangelists when they go to school. Is that their their primary goal when they go to school? Their primary goal is to be educated. But what are they being educated on? Mm-hmm. And that you're right. Now, now after COVID, during COVID, in the midst of COVID, and with CRT stuff, hopefully what parents are going to be doing, which we are seeing the growing numbers of them, we're seeing a decline in public schools. Parents are saying enough is enough. And so hopefully this is a breaking point where parents are saying we have to have another option because I do think if we weaken the Department of Education, that's a good thing. The more we could defund the public education system that's run by our government and the, and the teachers union, that's a good thing. So parents can contribute by pulling their kids out because each child is a number mm-hmm. to the government. Yes, They represent in each state a certain amount of money that can average from forty to $80,000 per kid. So when they're losing in in numbers, one, they're losing money, two, they're losing persuasion, and three, they'll lose power. And that's a good thing. And I think that there are now, with technology today, as you and I know, there is avail- there's availability like never before to make it easier to transition kids out of public school into a safer place where they can get even better education. Dude, David, you and I know that the public school system itself – the, the ratings that they're getting across the board is is not good. They're horrific. So, and we're not yeah. even talking about that. We're just talking about indoctrinating kids with things like you're a racist or that you have to experiment with the same sex in kindergarten. You know, that's just, this is nonsense. Hopefully, before we conclude this, I want to give three book examples that parents need to be made aware of that are teaching their kids outside of the curricula that they should be teaching them that is, is not good for their kids. Because I, I think the more they actually have um, direct indicators of what their kids are being taught, like same-sex experimentation, masturbation, as we've been seeing that's been taught in schools, even in private schools, and then that you're a racist and you need to deny your whiteness um, and apologize to anybody with a darker skin color than you. When parents actually see this is happening to their kids, brought upon, brought, uh, upon by their teachers, then they start pulling them. And that's why we need to be doing shows like this, to educate people, because you're right. A lot of times people, don't, they, they don't know. They don't hear it firsthand. Or some of them don't take the time to go talk to the principal or to their teacher or go to a city council. And even in the city councils, they're not going to tell you anything. And so where are they going to get their information? So hopefully we talk about this more and more because the more we do it, the more opportunity parents that are listening right now can get the right information. And they can now educate themselves and then make the right decisions for their family. Excellent points. I think you just gave us another truth bomb there, Jason. Uh, thank you. We've got uh, about six minutes, actually less than that, five and a half minutes left with you. Um, in your video, Parents Know Your Rights to Protect Your Kids, you mentioned a guy named Hegel and his teaching in, in the school system. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so going back to this whole thing, again, this is why when you and I and investigating, you know, not just historically, but just, you know, looking at the ideological positioning of education in America, this is nothing new, okay? So what we're seeing today goes back to people like Hegel, or we call it, you know, Hegelian philosophy or whatever, but he had a synthetic approach to, to ethics, and as a result of that, he applied that to education. Now, what do I mean by this? This is a book that he wrote in the 19th century called Philosophy of, of, of Right. And what he was arguing in this book, and this is what parents need to understand, because the National School Boards of Association, and, and even currently right now in the Biden administration, many of the people that are in power, David, they hold to a, a Galleon uh, viewpoint when it comes to the state and to their rights as the state for uh, controlling and educating, uh, in this case, kids. And what he argued for is a totalitarian state, okay? That's not a democracy. That's, that's usurping the rights of parents. Mm-hmm. The state ultimately makes the decisions for kids, not the parents. And in, in order to, to indoctrinate kids, 
then um, it was important for them to be in the school system for hours upon hours a day. And that's when we started to get this extension in our educational system of eight hours a day now. You know what I mean? Because the longer the public school systems can have your kids, guess what? The more influence they can have over them. And in his book, and this is interesting during COVID right now, David, (laughs) in his book, he uses the term kids in public education need to be vaccinated. Wow. And it was a, it's the whole idea, and you're seeing it played out here in the, pool, in the public school systems. You're seeing it with these city council people. You're seeing it with these uh, teacher, the, the council of these teachers. You're seeing them say to parents, you have no right. Our power, okay, the superintendents that we have here, the influence that we have here is more important than your influence over your child as the parent. And these are even parents that are in these positions, that are saying this, David. Wow. This is ridiculous. And what we need to do is we need to fight it. But in order to fight it and to have a movement, a revolutionary movement, people need to be enlightened. They need to be educated. And we know that we are to speak the truth in love. And so when darkness is coming, when darkness is prevailing, when we have people who are advancing a totalitarian state like Imbram Kendi in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, that means that everyone is a racist to, to a certain extent. And if you're not advancing anti-racism, uh, you are a racist. And so he wants to advance a department of anti-racism. So on top of having um, institutions that are telling the Department of Education how to indoctrinate kids, then you want to add another level of mm-hmm. people who are actually the racists and their elitism who are advancing a totalitarian state that will control everything. So what does that mean in the end? This is what it means. Not only will your kids be indoctrinated with critical race theory that white people are racist, and I'm saying this as a half Mexican, so I'm even offended by that as, <laughs> as a minority, but also if you are Christian, this is what people need to understand. So all the Christians listening to this who have their kids in public schools, they are teaching your kids eventually. I'm not saying this is happening to all kids, but it eventually will happen if you do nothing. Mm. They will usurp your power as a parent where you will have no rights. But not only that, but they're indoctrinating your kids on your dime and your time. And then not only that, but they will use them to turn against Christianity and to silence Christians who oppose critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Wow. So much for people to deal with, Jason. Uh, thank you for your encouragement, especially when you continue to mention Romans twelve twelve and rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. We are hopeful. Of course, we wait for the blessed hope. Uh, the great God and Savior to appear, Jesus Christ. But uh, we, our time ran out quickly. I want to encourage people to listen to your podcast. Also, you've got an article or video about John Piper and his message to the unvaccinated. Uh, Jason, you want to just uh, say aloha real quick to our listeners? Yeah, I just want to appreciate. Just say, guys, thank you guys for standing for truth, supporting David and his ministry and the work he's doing, and just stay informed of what's happening. So they, I just want to real quickly, woke baby, not my idea. These are books that are being taught to kids that you need to be forewarned about. Jason, thank you so much. Stand Strong Ministries. Well, tomorrow we are going to have Nathan Jones on. He's an, an evangelist with Lamb and Lion Ministries. Can't wait to speak with Jason. I mean, Nathan. <laughs> All right, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. We'll talk to you tomorrow.